All right, well, let's jump into Samson. Uh, today, we are going to look at uh, Samson, who we know and we have seen that he was an in- incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Now, let me start out with, uh, with some man quotes, if, if I may. Um, Andrew Jackson said this. He said, one man with courage makes a majority. Doesn't that sound like, oh, yeah, right? <clears throat> courage, this is a guy named, uh, oh, I don't, I don't have this author. Uh, I found these online, so who, who knows who wrote it? Courage is, the, is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important, right? That's a good one. I like that one. Scar tissue is stronger than regular tissue. Realize the strength. Move on. Oh, yeah, manly, right? Right? Now, before we jump in, I would like to, uh, to illustrate to you, uh, just so you know and you have knowledge, how to survive a bear attack, Okay? So go ahead and throw that up there. First of all, if you, if you see, there's a difference. There's the grizzly bear, and then there's the black bear. Um, obviously, in the woods, you're always whistling. This has a purpose. It's not just because you're happy. It's because you want the bears to understand and know that you are around. Okay? So what's that? Okay, well, we'll we're coming to that next. Okay? All right, so... so <laughs> Everybody else is running. <laughs> you got to stay prepared. Both bears got to stay prepared. Now, when encountering a grizzly bear, you walk away slowly. You don't run away. That's just a game for a grizzly bear, okay? They can run faster than you. They run like 25 miles an hour. For a black bear, you don't run. You stand your ground. For a grizzly bear, you get on the ground, you play dead, and then hope you survive, okay? That's, that's basically because, you know... Yeah, isn't that, isn't that crazy? I love the bottom there. It says, wait 10 to 20 minutes after the bear leaves to get up. It's like, is somebody really going to do, you know? <laughs> then with the, with the, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> for, for the black bear, the black bear, you're supposed to fight him, okay? <laughs> That's what it says. <laughs> If, it, if charged, fight back. Aim especially for the nose and other sensitive area. Use rocks and sticks of, if available. <laughs> That's a stick. He's using it like a gun, isn't he? Let the black bear be the first to run, right? So if you get attacked by a black bear, you got to man up. I mean, it's just you and the bear, and it's wrestle time, right? Uh, next week, uh, we, get, we don't really have the time today. Next week, we'll talk about how to survive a dog attack, okay? So... Um, <clears throat> It's a bigger dog. <laughs> so that's just to get us in the mood uh, to talk about Samson. Um, now, here's the thing about Samson. We've been talking about being strong men and, and really being strong women as well. But here's the thing. Satan loves to attack strong men. Uh, he loves to make strong men weak. And whether it's through, uh, for guys especially, temptation of, of lust or, or pride or... Uh, some of the things we've been talking about, entitlement, right, or anger. We talked about anger last week. Abraham Lincoln said, you can tell the greatness of a man by what makes him angry, which makes me feel about this big after the story that I shared last week, right? And it's like, oh, man, what makes me angry? Anything, right? Um, pride, right? These are all things that he actively uses to draw us away from Jesus. 
So last week we ended with Samson um, seeing his need. He, he, we've been walking through all this stuff, and he's just prideful and feels entitled and all of those things. And in chapter 15, he had just got, uh, finished uh, killing a thousand men, right, with a, with a donkey's jawbone. He just found something on the ground and just started wailing on these guys. Killed them all. <clears throat> but then he was so thirsty, he had no water. And God, through the little need of thirst, which is really a big need, right? Through that little need, he said, I need God. God opened up the, wa- opened up the ground. It says uh, in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 19, Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. And when Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called in Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. In verse 20, Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. So for 20 years, he's leading, and he's leading right. And he's leading in peace, even though the Philistines are, are over them. And everything's going right. Now, it looks like he's put his problems behind us. We don't know really if that's the case. We don't know if he's just ignoring his problems. But in, in chapter 16, he jumps right back in to the same old stuff. It says, one day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying, at dawn, we'll kill him. So what's happened here is <clears throat> Samson has dro- dropped back into sin. He um, is... is is basically they've surrounded the city and especially the city gate, but they they're falling asleep. They're like, all right, we'll take him at dawn, you know. Now here's the thing: we see Samson has not only jumped back into his sin of lust, but he's devolved a whole lot further, right? He no longer lusts after the girl like we saw in chapter uh, 14. He no longer lusts after the girl and says, "I want to marry her." Y'all remember that two weeks ago we talked about that. He sees this girl and never talked to her, and he's like. You don't want from me, girl. He doesn't even bother with that anymore. Now he just goes to get his fix, right? And notice with the first two, the first two words, one day. This is, these are the same uh, two words, the same phrasing that you find with David and Bathsheba, right? David is supposed to be off at war with his army, but he's at home just kicking it, watching the voice, right? He gets bored. He goes up on top of, the, uh, on top of uh, his roof, and he's looking around, and he sees Bathsheba taking a shower. And he says, that's, that's the girl for me. I'll take her. She's already married to one of the captains in his army, so he has him killed. And see, here's the thing. We, we think, oh, my goodness, how could that ever But it happens to guys all the time, right? It's just one day. Right? It's just one hour, it's one <clears throat> moment, and then we can turn and start walking down the wrong path. Now, here's the thing about Samson. Gaza, he's, he's from a town 25 miles away. All right? Gaza is the Philistine headquarters. This is where their central power is located. So Samson goes right into the leadership headquarters to engage in unfaithfulness. Gaza is 25 miles away, and, and you kind of go, well, who's stupid enough to go that far and do, you know, go do, 
guys, right? It's true. Even even women. I mean, uh, countless men do it every day. Countless women do it every day. Here's the thing about 25 miles. It's 132,000 feet. The normal step is about two and a half feet. That's about 53,000 steps that he walked. One step at a time, knowing where he was going, knowing what he was doing, having 53,000 opportunities to turn around. And the thing is, most people don't plan on ruining their lives, right? Most people don't go in and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go smoke some crack, right? They go to a party, and they say, oh, no, 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 no. But they keep going back to that party, and oh, no, 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 go back. All right, I'll try it one time. And that's all it takes, right? Nobody plans on doing that. Nobody plans on being bankrupt, right? Nobody wants to do that. But here's what we find with Samson. And we're going we're gonna to blow through chapter 16 pretty quick today. Samson took small steps towards a big destruction. And there were, there were several things that, that caused him to do this. The first thing is Samson taunted his enemy. Samson taunted his enemy. In verse 3, it says, but Samson lay there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and you got the two posts on either side, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Now, this is the main entrance. This is where the enemy is. Uh, We assume they're all asleep because they're not attacking. He just walks up pulls those things up. Now, this is not the hollow doors that you have in your house, okay? If you're ever at my house, my kids, I mean, they're slamming doors, running around. You can never do that with the city gate. These doors are huge. And it depends on the door, but they're solid wood. They're probably, they're at least 700 pounds, probably 1,200, 1,200, uh, 1,000 to 1,200 pounds, right? Um, this, is, this is what Jeff was doing when he tore his peck, right? So, so he, was, he was picking up the, the city gates. This, this is a strong man. And not only does he just pick it up and, and he doesn't just throw it down, he walks it up a hill, right? I mean, we're talking squats. We're talking all kinds of muscles being worked here. This is, this is incredible. And what he's doing is he is destroying the symbol of their security. If you don't have a strong door and a strong gate, and you can't repair it quickly, you are vulnerable, and anybody can walk in. And the thing is, as men especially, we get real cocky, and we underestimate our enemy, right? He's taunting the enemy, and it's not, it's, it's not just the people, but as guys, we tend to taunt the devil. Not purposefully, but like, like I was talking about a minute ago, we'll go to places and be in places that are not places we should be. We'll do things that... that we're, we're not supposed to be doing, right? And the devil is, the, is described as a lion seeking someone to devour. And he's just waiting. He's at that party waiting on you. He's, he's in that bedroom waiting on you, right? Just come on, just, just screw up. Come on, come on, come on. Keep taunting, keep taunting. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it says, this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. He says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Two contradictions in, uh, in phrases there. Yeah, you standing firm? You better be careful you don't fall. You need to be aware. The, 
The second thing that we see is that Samson rationalizes the same old sin. Now, it, it's not explicit in, in, in the scripture right here, but what's happening is he's just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Look at verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So that, this is probably the, the story of Samson that you've heard, okay? Um, the, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. Okay? Delilah, I don't know if you're like me, but when you think of that name, you're like you want to give a song request, but this is not that Delilah, okay? Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? There's some lady out there. Okay, okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Samson is just walking back into the same sin over and over again. Three women, three Philistines, three women who were not following God in any way. The first one he just wanted because she was hot. The second one was a prostitute. And this lady is, is just after money. That's all she cares about. 1,100 shekels of silver is a, is a lot of silver, and that's from each person. So we see Samson, and you can just see in his mind going back and back and back. And these are the girls that we know about, right? Most of the time when you're dealing with this, it's, there's a lot more. But he's rationalizing. He's just kind of, it's no big deal, right? I can do it. I can take care of myself. I'm, I got this. I'm strong, right? And we see Delilah's bribed and enticed with money. And then <clears throat> here's what she says. I'll read uh, verses 6 through 10, and then I'll skim some of the rest. It says, so Delilah said to Samson, tell me your secret. Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs, that's, that's just strips of cloth, okay? Seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and, and she tie, uh, oh, that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistine brought her seven fresh thongs that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. When men hidden in the room, with men hidden in the room, she called to them, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, so basically, he whooped these, these guys, killed them, whatever, we don't know. And then Delilah says to Samson, you've made a fool of me. You've lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. Now, you would think when she says this that, you know, something would come up. I mean, what would cause a man to hang with this girl? Like, does he just keep, you know what? I know, you know what it is? It's pride. And as a man, it's definitely lust. Because when lust is involved, guys will do stupid stuff. I mean, crazy stuff. She says, you've made a fool of me, Samson. You weren't captured. Right? I, I mean, whose side is she on? And he has become this close to being just an animal and instinctual. I mean, this is how far down he's, he's, like, he's like a dog in heat, 
It's almost, you know. So she does this three more times, right? Uh, the first, uh, the next time, Samson says, "No, no, no! If you tie me up with new ropes," and then she says, "Hey, they're on you," and he snaps them, he kills them, he hurts them, he gets rid of them. Then she says, "She says, oh, why are you doing this? Oh, I can't believe you." Then he says, "No, no, no! It's if you take my seven braids of hair." So he had like dreadlocks or something, I guess. Seven braids of hair, and you put them in a loom, right? which is strange to me. And then you put the pin in, which I guess is the locking mechanism of, you know, to hold everything in place. And uh, so she does it again. They're on you. He just rips, rips the loom apart. He stands up, and I guess the loom's just like hanging from his hair or something. I don't know. Um, and again, whoops him. You don't love me, right? And, and by this time, you start to realize this is a game to him, right? He's just, he's just taunting even more. And then the last time, verse uh, 15 and 16, let's, let's look at that real quick. It says, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And then notice what's happening here. Notice what happens. With such nagging. Hang on. Hang on, guys. Hang on, hang on, hang on. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Does anybody see the cycle here? Because the first wife that he had, remember at his, at his rehearsal dinner, his week-long rehearsal dinner, she was nagging him constantly. Tell me this riddle. Tell me the secret. Tell me, tell me. Fine! And he told her, right? This is what's happening here. The first wife says, you don't really love me. Delilah says, how can you say you love me? All three of these women got him into trouble. He chose unwisely. A reminder of Proverbs 26, 11, which is, I love one of this verse. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats its folly, right? There is no man that can handle a nagging woman. There's not. What happened with his first wife? It's what happens with Delilah. Here's the thing. He's strong enough to kill a thousand men. He's strong enough to kill a lion. He's strong enough to pick up a, a thousand pound door. But he's not strong enough to lead a woman. He's not strong enough to lead his wife. Verse 17 and 18. So he told her everything. No razor has been used on my head, he said. Because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. I guess he's a really deep sleeper i'm not sure and so began to subdue him and his strength left him now instead of breaking his relationship with delilah he let that relationship break him samson's strength we've seen this over and over again it came from the lord i know we we hear all the time that it came from the hair we're going to see again here in just a second that's just not the case, right? But there is a, a very significant connection between the hair and his strength. 
right? It's in Judges 13, 5, when the angel came to uh, his, his uh, parents, his mother, and said, don't let a razor touch his head. There were three things that he was not to do, not to get around a dead body, not to let a razor touch his head, and uh, I forget, I'm going blank on the third one, whatever it was. Go back two weeks ago on the, on the podcast, you'll, you'll remember. And, and, but what was it? Yeah, drink wine, that's right, that's right. And so, but the angel specifically points out the hair. And here's the thing about the connection. God, in his omnipotence, knew that this would be the point that Samson would completely fall. And the point where God would allow Samson to face the consequences of his habitual sins. Verse 19, look at this. If I can find it. Go back to 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the Philistines. Come back once more. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. And you think, oh, okay. His strength left him because they cut the braids off. Verse 20. Then she called, Samson. The Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. As we've seen over and over again, the strength's not in the hair. It's from the Lord. And so again, we see the Lord is his strength, just as he is ours. Samson... Samson assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Samson assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Now, here's the thing about God and and his mercy. His mercies are new every morning. You've probably heard that a lot. But just because his mercies are new every morning doesn't mean he's a vending machine that's going to dispense it to you and get you out of trouble. He can and he does withhold it from us when we decide to follow our own ways. Jesus Christ guaranteed our salvation. Don't don't get anything mixed up about that. But as Christ's followers, the cross does not guarantee that our rescue from all the stupid situations that we get ourselves into is going to occur. Sometimes he allows us to face our consequences. And when he doesn't allow us to face our consequences... That's mercy, because we know in our minds we, we deserve the punishment for that. So he does guarantee our rescue when we turn back to him. Again, he doesn't guarantee that you don't face the consequences of the things that you've done. But he does guarantee our rescue when we turn back to him. And so here we see how God has withheld his mercy because Samson has finally crossed that that red line in the the mind and the eyes of God for him. He cut his hair, and in so doing, he cut his relationship with his heavenly father off. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. Nobody ruins their life all at once. They ruin it one step at a time. So here's the question I want to leave with you. Where are you stepping away from Jesus? Where are you stepping away? Is it, is it just an undisciplined life? Is it, is it anger? Is it pride, lust, greed, g- 
gambling and some kind of addiction. Maybe it's passivity, right? Workaholism, alcoholism, lying. Maybe your heart's just drifted. I mean, it could be a number of things. But you're only as strong as you are honest with yourself, with God, and in those relationships that have been messed up with each other. Samson has been publicly disgraced because everyone knew that his hair meant that he followed God, and now he has no hair. And so the Philistines think, we've defeated Samson. Not only that, but in their minds, they're thinking, we've defeated God. And all Samson had to do was turn around. And it's never too late for that. Never is it too late for that. Even with no eyes, because that's what happens, that's what it says. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. So even with no eyes, with, with no life, he's been imprisoned. God begins to work on his heart. God has a plan for Samson, verse 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now this is the, the end credit scene, right? Like in the Marvel movies, right? This is that, 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 that verse where you see something's coming. And so God is hinting that for us, and we'll look at that next week. But listen, just because he's down does not mean he's out. And that works the same for us. Just because you're down does not mean you're out. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean we have no purpose or hope. God has a plan for your life. If you have stepped away from God, I want to challenge you to turn back to him this week. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time in his word. I want to challenge you to confess your sins to God. And if you would be so bold, confess them to somebody else that you trust. Somebody that will help you to challenge yourself and to listen to the Holy Spirit and to to turn around. You may be on the 53,000th step. Is that a word? I don't know. But you can turn around. Seek God. Dive deeper into his word. Read about Samson so you can know what's coming. I want to see us turn from our sin, no matter how big or small. We've all got it. We've all got something. And I want to see us to take the easy and small steps back to our Heavenly Father. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for for your word and taking care of us. Thank you for pointing out Samson's sin, the habitual sin, how he tried to justify it and how he was constantly drawn in to the wrong things. Help us, Father, to see these things in our life. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear when others speak to us about our issues. And Father, we may we confess to you that we are sinners and that we need you. And we pray that you will take our hand and just walk us back to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.